Thank you, Gary. I was going to go up on the podium, but since Gary stayed down and Billy stayed down, I thought, well, I hate to break the precedent. But thank you for being back. Appreciate so much you being here this afternoon. We're very grateful for the opportunity to be here. Thank you to all of you that have put forth so much effort and energy in the work here at Olive Branch over the past year. Very grateful for all that you do, your prayers, your words of encouragement. Everything that you do makes a difference in the work here, so thank you. And I want to encourage you to try to the best of your ability to make 2024 a great industrious year. The song we sang a moment ago, I want to be a worker for the Lord. And I want to encourage you to dig deeply and do all that you can to help serve the Lord in this community. Uh, very thankful for those of you that over the past year have been so regular in your Bible study as well as in your worship to God. Thank you for coming. Thank you for bringing your children. It is encouraging to me to see you here. I know the elders are grateful that you choose to be here every week, and I know that there are so many places that you could be, but we're glad, we're glad that you're here. So again, just thank you for that. We're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, where Paul said many years ago, examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. I appreciated Tyler's prayer a moment ago. And one of the things that he said resonated in my mind, that over the past year we have made many, many memories, haven't we? And you think about those memories and how they'll be with you forever. And we've had a lot of good memories. Those of us that are part of the church here, no doubt, we have made memories in our home. We've made memories in the community. We have made memories among friends. So many, many good memories, and those are a great blessing. But over the next year, my prayer would be that we would cultivate memories in service to the Lord. This is a time of year that prompts for many people personal reflection. There are a lot of folks that sit down and survey where they are in life, maybe where they want to be in life. They will set goals, make decisions that will help them attain those goals. What I want to do in our study today, I want to just give three things that I think will help us as we strive to the best of our ability to give more in 24. So number one, I want to encourage us over the next 12 months, first and foremost, to look upward. And that is to keep our eyes on the Lord. One of the passages that I often think of from time to time is Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah had the opportunity to see the Lord in all of His glory. And you remember he said that he saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of His robe filled the temple. And those angelic beings, the seraphim, cried out, Holy, holy, holy. What Isaiah saw made a deep and profound impression upon him. The Bible tells us that in light of what he saw, he acknowledged, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, 
And I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. When we see God high and lifted up, it will make a difference in life. But the only way that we can see God high and lifted up is to go to the Scriptures. And we'll talk about that in a moment or two. But I want to encourage us over the next 12 months to devote ourselves to worshiping God regularly. Now there are times of private devotion, and then there are occasions for public worship. When we come to worship God, we come for the purpose of giving God that which He is rightfully due. God is the Almighty Creator. The Bible tells us that not only is He our Creator, but He is our Sustainer. As Paul would say in the long ago, that He is the giver of all life, breath, and all things. So God is the one who upholds us by the word of His power. But then to understand that God is our Redeemer. Where would we be without God in life? Every first day of the week, we have the opportunity to bow in the presence of the great I Am. As God said to Moses in the long ago to remove his sandals, because he said, the ground where you're standing is holy ground. This afternoon, we are on holy ground because we're in the presence of God. And that says to all of us that we have the opportunity to worship God, number one, with the right attitude. To the best of our ability to block out those thoughts from the world and life. And for just a few moments, try to think about spiritual things. To help us redirect our thinking because the world is ever-present. And the world on many occasions encroaches on our spiritual lives. And our goal is to be transformed by God's Word and by being in His presence. And to realize that we are in the presence of a holy God. That we are worshiping Him. God is, God is the one who is the audience. We're the participants. And, and the word worship literally means to kiss towards. And the idea is that we are expressing to God our gratitude and thanks and that we are giving Him the honor and glory that He is rightfully due. So to stay connected by worshiping God as we've done over the past year and as many of us have done over the years, nothing's going to change in that respect. And I would also encourage us to come to worship with a desire to be in the presence of God. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 42, He said, As the heart or as the deer pants for the water brook, even so my soul thirsts or pants for God. Do you remember what Jesus said many years ago? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the promise is they shall be filled. Number one, as we look upward, 
to remember the importance of worship in our personal, private lives, but also in our public life. But then also to stay connected to God through the avenue of prayer. You ever wondered how many prayers have you uttered over the past year? Prayer is a tremendous blessing, isn't it? And we are afforded the opportunity to come into the presence of God via that avenue. And then to have the assurance that there is a God in heaven, as I said a minute ago, the Creator, Sustainer, and Redeemer, that is attentive to our prayers. We're not a nobody in God's presence. But everybody is somebody to God. Would you agree with that? We're all extremely important in the eyes of God. Those of you who are parents here and those of you that have small children here and some older children, I have no doubt that you try to the best of your ability to give them the best in this life. And that in times of distress, in times when maybe they're concerned about something, you give them your undivided attention. Well, that's what God does to us. He gives us His undivided, undiluted attention. Now, Peter said, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. That means when you pray to God, His ear is bent toward you. Add to that the confidence in knowing that God is listening. How many times have you talked to people or maybe tried to talk to people and as you're talking with them, it becomes apparent they're really not listening. You ever had that happen to you? They're really not locked in on what you're saying. That's not the case with God, is it? But rather, God is listening and we have confidence that when we go before His throne, He is listening. John said, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Our prayers are tempered by being submissive to His will, but to know that God is listening. David had a lot to say about prayer, and I think that David believed in the power of prayer, as did God's servants in days gone by. But David said on one occasion, evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. And what's the assurance? God's going to listen, isn't He? He's going to hear us. He'll hear our voice. We stay connected to God through worship and also in our prayer life. As your children get older, you're going to want to see them even though they move out of the house. You're still going to want to see them. You're still going to want to hear from them. Well, since we're God's children, would it not stand to reason that He wants to hear from us? To know that there's a God in heaven who invites us before His throne. 
Jesus said on one occasion that men ought to always pray and not be discouraged. Life can be discouraging. Life can literally change on a dime. But to know that we offset discouragement by praying to God. Listen to what James said many years ago. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Second thing, number one, to look upward. Number two, to look inward. I mentioned a moment ago Isaiah. When Isaiah saw God sitting upon that throne, and really John said in John chapter 12 that the one he saw was the second member of the Godhead. He saw the Lord, Jesus, the Word. But nonetheless, it caused personal inward reflection on his part, didn't it? Because when Isaiah said that he saw the Lord, his response was, Woe is me, for I'm undone. How do we become more Christ-like in life? How do we draw closer to God? Now, I know that we do so by worship. But I want to encourage us over the next 12 months to spend more time in God's Word. If you want to become more Christ-like in your daily life, then you need to spend time in this book. It will transform your way of thinking. It will transform your lifestyle. Number one, there has to be a sense of dedication or devotion to wanting to get into God's Word and to explore what God has revealed. Do you remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 119 many years ago? He said, Open my eyes that I might see the wondrous things of your law. To have that desire to stand in the presence of God as we read and study and meditate on His Word with the goal of developing a greater understanding of God and of His will for us in this life. Isaiah said many years ago, Seek ye out the book of the Lord, and then he said, And read. Reading is profitable. But I want to encourage all of us to go beyond just reading the Scriptures, but to devote yourself to study. Josiah was a young fellow when he came to the throne at the age of eight. And Josiah is spoken of in glowing terms in the Old Testament, isn't he? And you remember it was said during the days of Josiah Hilkiah the priest said, we have found the book of the Lord. Now it might be that for some folks, the Bible has become dusty and set aside. But to rediscover this book, to understand the power that comes from this, this is not a lifeless, inert book. But as the Hebrew writer said, it is living and active. 
This book right here will transform your life. It has that kind of power. As a matter of fact, when I think about studying and meditating on the Scriptures, to realize the importance of making it a daily endeavor. Now, there are going to be times over the next 12 months when maybe you're not able to spend as much time studying and meditating on the truth of God. But my encouragement would be don't get discouraged. Don't quit. And if you lapse a day or two, try to get back to it. Stay with it. The dividends that you will reap will be incredible. It was said of the psalmist in Psalm 1 that he meditated on the law of Jehovah, on the law of Jehovah, and in that law he meditated day and night. Really the idea there when we talk about meditating, to ponder aloud. You ever read through the Scriptures and you begin to talk to yourself? What does that say? What's the Lord saying to me? Or maybe to talk to your spouse or to your children, to friends or other people in the church, and to ask them, have you thought about this? Have you considered this concept? That's the beauty of God's Word. It is a multifaceted diamond, isn't it? Beautiful on every side. So to spend time reading and studying God's Word, to being committed to doing that on a daily basis, and then to make discernments in life or decisions in life based upon the Word of God. To realize that the Word of God is right. And that if we'll follow this book, God will bless us. Do you believe that? Imagine if you can being out in the forest. And you have no idea where you are. How are you going to get back? You better have a compass. There's something to be said about this book being the compass, the GPS to life. Now, you remember the Hebrew writer talked about the benefits and blessings of knowing the Word of God and becoming more mature in the faith. And he said one of the byproducts of knowing God's Word is that it will equip you to discern between good and evil. Our thinking has to be directed by God's Word. If you were to assess your spiritual life right now, how would you rate yourself in terms of your faith? Would you say you're a babe in Christ? Are you maybe a little bit more so than a babe in Christ? Would you consider yourself a mature Christian? Those are interesting questions that we all have to ask. And the only way to get from A to Z 
is to stay committed to reading, studying, and meditating on the truth of Almighty God. When Peter counseled in 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 2, to those who were babes in Christ, you remember he said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. Now, many of us, we eat two or three times a day. And we understand that without nutrition, we will die. Here's my question. How often are you feeding your soul? Are you feeding your soul with the bread of life? Didn't Jesus say, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When the Apostle Paul talked about exercising ourselves to godliness, you remember he talked about physical exercise and how it's profitable. And there are a lot of benefits to physically exercising. But the real benefit is to exercise ourselves spiritually, to spend time in God's Word. I want to ask you something. Over the past 12 months, what have you learned? What have you learned in your personal study and devotion? Have you pushed yourself to grow in the faith? Didn't Peter say, grow in grace and knowledge? We will never grow until we push ourselves. Now please listen very carefully. You will never become a mature Christian if the only time you're exposed to God's Word is on Sunday or Wednesday, or in some cases Tuesday morning just not going to happen. Now, you can learn and you, you can become more proficient in your understanding. But it's got to be something that you are devoted to day in and day out. Look back at your life. Do you know more today than you did five years ago? Ten years ago? The only way to stay connected to God is to worship Him, commune with Him with, in prayer, and then to feed on His eternal Word. I mean, really, this is, this is the book that ultimately will be opened on the Day of Judgment. I want to make sure that my life, to the best of my ability, is lived in harmony with this book. You know, when John said that we're to walk in the light as He is in the light, and the assurance is that the blood of Jesus is constantly working in our daily life. What does it mean to walk in the light? It means to walk in accordance with His will. In other words, we're trying to be compliant to the teaching of Scripture. And if we're trying to walk in cadence with God, think about the military. When people in the mil military march, they have to stay in cadence, don't they? 
If they're not in cadence, then there's a problem. Our goal is to stay in cadence with God's Word. Third thing that I want to share. Number one, look upward. Number two, look inward. And number three, look outward. Somebody said on one occasion, no man is an island unto himself. We live in a world of somewhat 8 billion people. It's not always about us, but rather it's about trying to connect with other people and influence them for good. Over the course of the next 12 months, could I encourage you to do, could I encourage you to consider maybe a couple of things? Number one, do you have a friend, family member, classmate, coworker, somebody that you speak to regularly who's not a Christian? Could I encourage you to set that person's name aside, to pray for that individual, that opportunities would come before you to teach them? to share with them what you know about the gospel. The gospel is said to be good news, isn't it? Now, if the gospel is good news, don't you think there are some folks in our world today that would like to hear some good news? Hear enough bad news. But there's some good news. There are folks in our world today that are struggling and hurting and they've been trying it their way for a long, long time. And things aren't working out. You have the opportunity to show somebody firsthand a better way of life. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The Christian life is the best life because it is the blessed life. There are a lot of blessings that we enjoy in this life. But none greater than our spiritual blessings. Thank God for all the blessings that we enjoy in this life. And to ask God to put people before us that we can influence for good. Remember what Jesus said, Go therefore make disciples of all nations. The growth of the church is dependent on evangelism. It's not easy. It's hard. It can be intimidating. But Jesus said, go. We've got the great message of the gospel. And my prayer is that we would identify one. Now, you don't have to just identify one person. But you identify somebody that you think you can have an impact on. And it might be the case that you just begin by inviting them to Bible study or worship. Encourage them to come. And see the difference that makes. And then there's a second thought. Look around in this room at all the talent that exists. What a lot of talent here. A lot of ability. I don't necessarily know your talent or your ability. 
But I believe that whatever talent or ability you have, God can use to His glory. Now Paul said that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Sharing the gospel, is that a good work? Yes. When Jesus talked about those who fed the hungry and gave something to those who were thirsty by way of drink and clothed those who didn't have clothing and took people in that didn't have housing, what was he talking about there? Good works. And you remember Jesus said, Inasmuch as you did it unto one of these least of my disciples, you did it unto me. We're ministering to other people in the name of Jesus, aren't we? Benevolence is a work of the church. But benevolence ultimately points back to evangelism. In other words, it's just a means to open the door. A third thing. Know anybody that needs encouragement? You know anybody that over the past year they have been beaten down? Barnabas. Barnabas is known as the son of encouragement, isn't he? And you remember in Acts chapter 11, it was Barnabas that encouraged those first century Christians in Antioch to cleave unto the Lord. It might be that there's somebody who's a part of the church here who is hanging on by a thread. And you can encourage them. You can let them know that you love them, appreciate them, that you, are, that you are here for them. Paul writes, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus had the innate ability to reach unreachable people, didn't He? The Lord Jesus could look at people see them where they were in life, assess their situation, and then render aid to them. We have that same opportunity, don't we? To help other people. And you remember what Paul said, let us as we have opportunity. Over the next 12 months, opportunities are going to come your way and my way. And the question is, will I take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves to me. The bottom line is simply this. Find something that you can do productive to the cause of Christ and just do it. Use your life as a vessel for good. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There is a lost and dying world surrounding us. You look at the majority of people in this world are lost and dying in sin. And the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The world needs what we have. And the only way they're going to get it is for us to reach out to them. 
I would encourage all of us, you know, we talk about trying to develop a Christ-like disposition. Jesus was interested in people. He was interested in their spiritual welfare. Did He address their physical needs? Sure He did. But more importantly, He sought to help them spiritually. Wouldn't it be great one day to be in heaven and somebody come up and say, you know what, I'm here today because of you. I believe there will be people that will say that. They will come up and say, I am here because of you. The power of influence. If you're here this afternoon and you're not a Christian, I encourage you to come to Christ. To realize that Jesus has the remedy for a life of sin. That remedy is His blood. That's the antidote that can cure the problem of sin. Now the way that we contact that blood is by obeying the gospel. Relatively easy to understand the gospel. We have to put our faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Repent of our sins, confess His name, and then we're immersed in water so that we might contact that cleansing blood and be identified as a saint, sanctified in Christ Jesus. We're baptized into Christ. We contact the blood of Christ. We're added to the body of Christ. And the Bible tells us that if we will live for God day in and day out, we'll be a part of the redeemed in heaven one day. I'd encourage you today, if you are here, Maybe your life's not on track and you want to get off on the right foot by becoming a Christian. Today's the day. If your life has not been what it ought to be, spiritually speaking, and you want to get back on the right track, then we would be, help, we would be more than happy to help you in that way. Won't you come as we stand and sing?